Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grave, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com, calling in live this week from Bonita Springs, Florida, as I do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We've got my co-host, Jack Humphrey, the Associate Dean of Directions University with us, calling in from Richmond, Indiana. Hello, Jack. Hello, how are you today? I am really good. I'm very excited about our guest and our short segment for today. Awesome. Well, we should just get started. I think so, too. So, yes, today so. we have Henneke Deustermatt, uh, who oh, is an irreverent... Oh, you actually knew how to pronounce that? I looked it up. I think I'm close, but I'm not quite sure. How did I do? Henneke, I think I have. It's Henneke. Henneke. Darn it. (laughs) Oh, man, I even looked it up. Anyway, someone on pronunciation.com has your name wrong. I don't know who did it, but we should find out. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I didn't even know I was on (laughs) pronunciation.com. Yeah, well, you are. Somebody actually tried to say your name properly. Uh, it didn't work out, and I repeated their mistake. <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh, it's a Well, thank mistake. you for being on the show anyway. Uh, that probably happens quite a bit. It happens to me all the time. People can't pronounce Jack at all. Well, even <laughs> <laughs> a Dutch all right, person well, so, like I can pronounce Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll do a little bit of an introduction here and uh, and let everybody know who you are from our perspective, and then you can let everybody know who you are from your perspective, and we'll see where we meet in the middle. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds fine. Okay. Okay, so Henneke is a irreverent copywriter and marketer on a mission to stamp out gobbledygook. I love that. She's author of the two five-star rated books about writing and blogging. She's a regular contributor to popular marketing blogs like Kissmetrics and Copyblogger. That is a big deal. And you can get her free snackable writing course for busy people um, at Enchanting Marketing, EnchantingMarketing.com. And the two books that you have, uh, one is How to Write Seductive Web Copy, very, very interesting, uh, and Blog to Win Business both um, very well received, obviously uh, some pretty big names saying some really, really great stuff about that. So that's what we know about you. Um, What would you like everybody to know about you? Well, that's pretty accurate, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm a a copywriter, and, uh, well, that's what I've been doing the last two years, but I'm uh, changing my business model and I'm doing more teaching and e-courses to help people learn how to create their own content and win more business. Awesome. So, you know, we're on Traffic Masters, and um, we pretty much do – we come from the school of content marketing, you know, that really nothing happens on the web, especially these days without good – seductive <laughs> even web copy or content and it looks like you're in the copywriting world and the blogging world so you probably are in that same camp of content marketing of getting attention and traffic and business through engaging and uh, needful content how long have you been doing this well I started my business uh, just over two years ago and I've not paid for any advertising or anything. So um, I got all my my clients, my copywriting clients, but also uh, the people on my list all came through content marketing. So my my main 
tactic has been to write guest posts on popular blogs and then get people click through from my author bio to my landing page, sign up to my email list, and then send them useful tips every week. Mm-hmm. So very much content What's marketing. The, yeah, absolutely. Well, and of course, writing for places like Copyblogger can't hurt. I, what was... So you've not been around an awful long time. Two years isn't a, a huge amount of time, and to rise to uh, write and get noticed by and then and for by Brian Clark and Neil Patel and and people like that. Um, how how has that affected the the kind of traffic that you get and um, just your business in general to be a writer for those places? Yeah, that that has been massive because I think when you write for uh, big blogs like Kismetrics and Copyblogger, then immediately people think that you're a credible authority and that you know what you're talking about because those blogs wouldn't allow you to write for them if you if you were just sort of talking nonsense. So that has immediately helped me to to boost my authority and to and to build an email list as well. So yeah. That's been really great for me. It almost uh, makes it seem, I, I see that your style is to have a good landing page at the very beginning of enchantingmarketing.com. Um, and the blog is just a little tiny link in the top right-hand corner. Is that because uh, a lot of your, how much, well, let me ask you this way. How much of your writing is off-site as opposed to on your site? Like how much do you do on different sites like Copyblogger as opposed to how often you uh, publish on your own site? Yeah, that has shifted a little bit over the last two years. So two years ago, I would write um, guest posts maybe two or three a month. Uh, Not all on big blogs. Some of them slightly smaller blogs, but I'd be out there um, almost weekly and then uh, write weekly on my own blog. These days, I write a guest post maybe maybe once a month, sometimes twice, but not so often anymore. But I still continue to post weekly on my own blog. Because I, I'm getting now quite a lot of search traffic, so the guest posting is not as important a tactic for me anymore as it used to be in the beginning. Because I'm in the first six months, I didn't get much search traffic, so I really focused on guest posting. Yeah. You get a lot of comments, too, I'm noticing. This is really good. This is not um, common for uh, other blogs these days. Very, And it looks like native comments, too. These aren't social, Facebook, or Google+. So, But I notice that, I mean, every time you go uh, to one of your posts, there's you know, some some I'm seeing in the 40s, 50, uh, 51 enchanting opinions on your uh, article. Four simple tips for persuasive emails. Um, what do you What do you think is your secret to getting people to engage at that level? Knowing that engagement is so so important nowadays for search rankings and uh, well, mainly search rankings, <laughs> but also for converting people to be customers. How do you do such good engagement? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it, well, I think there's two things. One is when you always share useful tips with people, then they're more likely to engage. So I, I never, I always try to think of the time of my readers and think about how precious time is these days and make sure that whatever I write helps my readers and that they always have something at the end of it, wow, yes, that's great. I can implement that today or tomorrow or next week. Um, So there's always value in there and it's never like a quickly rushed post with just some information done. I am very, very strongly focused on my readers, and I have, especially in the beginning also, done sort of free coaching calls or or review calls or whatever, just to get a better understanding of what they were struggling with so that I could help them. So I think Mm -hmm. 
the one part of the story is what you write about, but the other part of the story is also how you write. I think it's very important to write conversationally, and a lot of people, when they start writing, their content becomes, I don't know, it sounds a little academic, a bit impersonal. Mm-hmm. And I always write, work really hard to make my content as conversational as possible. So I don't use complicated words. I use relatively short sentences. And one of the tricks is to um, sprinkle questions over a blog post. Some people think that if you finish your blog post with a question that you get more comments. Well, I've tried that, but I don't think that really works. What has really worked for me is to write the post as if I'm having a conversation with that reader. So I'm addressing something the reader is interested in and struggling with and would like to learn something about. And then I really write it as of as if that person and I are having a conversation um, by having questions and by touching on sort of the things they will think about. Oh, she's talking about this. I wonder what she thinks about that. And then sort of that comes up in the post next. So the common thing feels more natural, I think, if you write in a conversational way with mm-hmm. questions. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it's it, while you were talking about that, it's really interesting that I'm just randomly on the four simple tips for persuasive emails. I just picked one off of your front page of your blog, and uh, you're talking about questions, and I'm looking at the the, the density of um, sentences that are questions as opposed to um, just regular statements. I mean, there are there's a huge density of question marks on the top of this post. It's a big post. You guys will find it at EnchantingMarketing.com. Um, and if you're listening fairly recently to this recording, it's the How to Write Persuasive Emails. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to see it on the front page. And if you guys check it out, it's just question after question. You're, you really, it never really occurred to me until just now about how engaging that can be. And like you said, some people say, you know, form your title of your articles or your blog posts in the form of a question, but you've like you're doing a seminar on this right here in this one post. It's uh it's an amazing number of questions that you're asking. And it, it pulls people in. I mean it, it's that if you think about a conversation that you're having in real life, if someone is just talking, you're passively listening. But if someone is talking and interjecting questions, it, it calls your attention, right? It it makes you sit up a little bit more and oh, wow, I've got to pay a little bit more attention because this person's asking questions. They're really engaging me. And you, I mean, that is an amazing number of question marks in the first part, maybe the first quarter of this particular article. And it sounds like that's kind of your um, modus operandi. It sounds like you really are good at engaging in that way. Yeah, I think it's a really simple trick, but it really works. What I always say, or always say what I say is that uh, sleazy salesmen use exclamation marks, but good conversationalists use question marks. So, I mean, we all know about sleazy sales and yellow highlighter and buy now with triple exclamation signs at the end. And, and that really, I mean, that's not the way people want to be talked to. Um, if you want to have a conversation, you ask questions. And we know that. If we want to engage a person face to face, then that's what we do. So why not do that in writing as well? Mm-hmm. It is you funny see, how I'm we ending with a question again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's funny how we act differently on the internet than we do in real life, isn't it? How how often have you um, had to remind people that in your books and and in your writing? Yeah, I think there is this perception about in real life as opposed to online. But to me, online is as much real life as um, real, so-called real life is when we meet pay- people face-to-face. I mean, I'm at really good, made really good friends with people via Twitter, via my blog. I mean, there's people across the world where I Skype with, we support each other. I mean... It's the real world, and that's how we should treat each other. We should really try to be friends with our 
uh, with our blog readers, we should really try to be human and treat people like real humans, not like they're just, I don't know, people on the list. Yeah. The other, I, I like talking to you right now because we talk to a lot of people from all kinds of different, you know, types of businesses and uh, business models, marketing models, uh, the ways that they drive traffic, and um, we haven't talked to a pure blogger. And I would call you that even though I know you do other things, but I would say that you're one of those who thinks deeply uh, about your blog, about your writing, about how you engage people. And some people use that as a tactic, and other people are more like you and you're getting to be a rare species, actually. Uh, from the people that I run into, a lot of people use blogs and blogging and, and content as a tactic to get traffic to their business. And it's not to say that you're not very strategic about what you're doing, but I would say that you're actually more strategic than people that just kind of play in this area. Because of uh, one of the other things, I'm just noticing all these little different things about this particular post. Sorry for dissecting it, but... Uh, you know, how you go back and look for things that you've written about before so that you can include them in the current posts that you're writing. That takes more time. Dabblers will not do that. They won't take the time to do that. And um, pure bloggers will. You will think very, very deeply about what you are going to say and how you're going to say it, how you're going to get your point across, and how you're going to engage people, and then also how you're going to get people deeper into your site. What if this is the first page that they've ever been on on your site and they don't know you except for what you've said on this page how can you get them deeper into your site to learn more and uh you know be exposed once again or two or three times to you know opting in for your books or for your little course or whatever that might be and it just you can just see a lot of things here that show that you're a very uh professional um uh, you, you you take this very seriously, and people could learn a lot just by studying one of your posts. So, um, how much time does it take for an article like this one, the one on uh, persuasive emails? Because you've got a lot of elements here. You had to go look up some old older stuff. It looks like posts at Google Plus, uh, an old post, how to write good blog, how to write a good blog post is linked in this one, and then it looks like something over on Google Plus. Um, so there's some research that you had to do to get all that stuff ready, and you know how how long do you like to spend on one of these things in order to do all the other things, have enough time left for all the rest of your business? Um, what's your process there? Yeah, it takes me quite a lot of time. I think writing a good blog post can take me probably around four hours, um, mm -hmm. and as you see, I also draw my own illustrations, which I don't really count as work, but that can easily take me between 30 and 60 minutes as well, sometimes a little bit more. That's but you? I see you that did this? Yeah, I draw all the illustrations, yeah. Wow, that's very cool. Well, my God, you're really going all out. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was you. Yeah, what, what, what it was... Um, I just was sick of looking for stock photography, and I, I never really liked the pictures I found to illustrate my posts, and I found it quite boring. So I decided that I wanted to learn how to draw. I hadn't been drawing since I was a kid. I mean, I didn't really even know how to draw a stick figure. <laughs> and so I took a, a drawing course, and I started that 18 months ago, and I've been drawing almost daily and started started publishing my drawings about a year ago. But if you look back at my blog, you can see a massive difference between the drawings a year ago and those I've done recently. So, yeah, I keep improving. But I think it really adds a, a personal touch and really makes the the post more, adds a lot of personality. Um, I think slick pictures are just a form of decoration well, hand-drawn images just, I don't know, people seem to really like them and they really comment on them regularly. And I think some of my readers click through from my emails to see my picture rather than read my posts sometimes. 
Yeah. yeah, and I think it's really useful for social media as well because it makes you stand out. People recognize the pictures in their screen, so they immediately know that that's a post from Hanukkah. Let's have a look. Well, yeah, I I noticed that you had all of that set up just perfectly. I shared one of your articles and uh, on Google Plus and on Facebook and. Of course, the image you want to come through to be eye-catching absolutely does, works perfectly, nicely. There's a lot of attention to detail here, and I think probably what people uh, who are listening need to understand about what it is that bloggers like you are doing, and you are the, the new greatest example of that for me, is the attention to detail is, a, is crazy. I mean, do you have to draw your own not necessarily, no, but you, you're getting attention for that, and you like it. And the thing is, it comes through. And people can tell when they write. I mean, everybody can check, you know, go through your bookmarks, through your RSS feeds, and, and, and just find that one person or that blog um, that might be written by several people that you really like, that's really made a connection with you. And what you're going to notice no matter what, if you love it, if you like it, there's going to be engaging stuff about it. And Hanukkah, your stuff is mainly just how much it's obvious you love what you're doing and the care and feeding that you do with uh, each and every one of the pieces that you create. And that it's no small coincidence that that's why you get such great engagement on social, that you get people talking about you on social but also engage with you right here on your blog. And so I would say that if anybody needs a primer or needs to go back over what makes a really, 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 really good blog, then go to EnchantingMarketing.com and subscribe and make sure that you just take your time. That There's a lot of things on the Internet that are phoned in. This is not about.com. This isn't something where somebody got paid $5 to write an article and where a lot of us very, very used to seeing a lot of the web turning out that way, just that soulless, shallow, just blah writing, and, uh, and it, it, it affects us all. I, I think it affects even uh, bloggers like you because there used to be a day when um, the web wasn't so pervasively kind of owned by just very, very shallow comment or, or content, and, uh, and blogs like yours would get thousands of comments. I remember um, my first interview with a pure blogger when she was just a pure blogger, um, which is, uh, uh, of course, a compliment from me. I love, I love that. I think it's awesome to be a pure blogger. It was with Deuce.com, Heather Armstrong, and she would. I think I interviewed her back in 2008 or seven, and she would, um, she would get two or three thousand comments sometimes on her blog, and then social media started to take over, and you know there was such a diffusion of where conversations could take place. Because before, if you're going to have a conversation, you had to have it right there on the blog in the comments. And now, if you want to have a conversation, you could go to Twitter, you could go to Facebook, you could go to Google+, LinkedIn, you can go to all kinds of different places and carry the conversation with you over to a group of people that you are already friends with, whose opinions and, and uh, that you already respect and everything. And, and it really affected us. And you never really had to live in that world uh, did you? Because you, you started a couple of years ago, and that was already a pretty well-established way. Uh, you had to integrate your blog right away with, with social in order to get the same kind of effect that we used to get just um, on our blogs themselves before social took off. Does that sound fair? Yeah. I to be honest, um, I initially didn't spend that much time on social. I was active on Twitter, but that was about it. And even now, I I dedicate most of my time on on blogging and guest blogging rather than social media. Although recently, I've become more active on Google Plus because I like Google Plus. It's easy for starting conversations, and it's a nice way to test ideas and see how people react to, to things that are a little bit shorter. And I quite like sort of this type of snackable content with a, a picture and a little bit of text and a link. So, yeah, I get, in, I get a little bit more active on social media, but for me, blogging and email marketing has always been my priority. Mm -hmm. 
I don't so, even have a Facebook account. <laughs> I'm probably the only blogger in the world without a Facebook account. I, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, this is Jan. And this has been a great uh, a great interview. Um, I wanted to ask you about the the short soundbite um, world that we live in because a lot of what you write, you know, is well thought out and it's longer and I personally find it very difficult to put my thoughts into sound bites. And I wondered how you look at that when you're thinking about writing in the soundbite world. Yeah, I think it's very important that you're able to distill your thoughts into sound bites. I mean, sound bites might have a, a negative connotation for a lot of people because it's associated with a kind of cheap politics and trying to get attention. But to me, sound bites is actually something that has a really profound thought, like a, a proverb or a saying. So it is really a good practice to be able to write something that's profound in just one sentence and it's a good way to practice that on Twitter for instance but also when you write a longer blog post you'll find in most of my blog posts sound bites like one one sentence nuggets that make you think oh wow yes that's great I never thought about it like that way but that is really the way it is and you find often that people don't necessarily tweet my headline, but they take a quote from my blog post and tweet that because there's another sentence that attracted their attention. So sound writing, I think, is important, even for for long-form content. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Um, and, you know, the other thing, and I've been following your blog for a while and your posts because I really enjoy reading them. You you really do have that quality that I feel like you're talking to me uh, and with me. So I wanted to say that is extraordinary uh, to be able to do that in the form of writing. And when you're doing copywriting for someone else, oh, you're very welcome. How do you start to get a feel for if you're doing copywriting for someone else? How you're, what kind of questions do you ask yourself when you're getting ready to write for someone else's audience? Yeah, I think interviewing uh, copywriting clients is extremely important. So I, my clients usually aren't located nearby, so this will be by phone or by Skype. But I usually spend a few hours. Uh, talking to them, so I want to understand what makes them tick, how the words they use, um, how they talk about their business, why they're passionate about it, and really get a good feel about the company. And at the same time, I want to get a feel about their customers too. So what I will also do is um, if they have any survey in, uh, surveys done or customer emails, um, so I will read those as well. If there's product reviews online of their product or of competitor products, I will read those. Sometimes I even read Amazon uh, book reviews about a related topic just to get a feel about what's important for people. What are they talking about? What are the the issues they're coming across, um, what are the things that irritate them, and then I want to understand exactly how um, a product or a service solves these issues. And I think questioning a customer is very important. So I will always ask deeper and deeper. So I ask people why... um, I never take the first answer as an answer. I always ask a follow-up question. Can you give an example of that or why is that the case? So people might say, oh, our facilities are state-of-the-art, and I immediately think, yeah, yeah, that's what everybody says. So tell me exactly (laughs) what is so modern about your facilities. 
why would I be impressed by them? Uh, and why does that matter to your customers? So, yeah, the research uh, phase is very important before you start writing. And do you follow any kind of formulas in terms of, you know, we've all read the, here's the classic sales page, and here's your classic, you know, persuasion-type formulas. The thing I've noticed the most with you is that you always bring me in to whatever post you're doing with a story. Yeah, my blog posts usually follow quite a... Um, uh, it's not a strict formula, but it's 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 thought through. So the headline uh, uses some power words, some unusual words, or um, emotional words, or sensory words to attract attention, and it always promises you a specific benefit of reading the post. Um, so the post we were talking about earlier uh, has. Is written the the headline is four simple tips for persuasive emails, how to turn blah into crisp writing. So the benefit is really clear, writing persuasive emails, and the tips are simple as well. So who doesn't want that? And then there is the um, the sensory words blah and crisp writing. So that really makes you think like yeah, of course, who doesn't want to uh, make their writing crisp? And then the introduction always empathizes with the reader because when you empathize with your reader with the problems they're struggling with, then they you really make them feel that the post is written for them. And then before I go to the main body of the post, I always promise them that uh, I call this the sunny destination, uh, which is like the benefits of reading the post. So if you read this post, well, you know exactly what to do, the four questions to ask um, yourself before before pressing send so that you can write a persuasive email. And then the main body is just a series of tips. And, and usually it's quite, um, it's, it's a list post or a variation of a list post, a series of clear step-by-step guides or, or just uh, tips in, in, in any order. And then the conclusion is always meant to inspire the reader to maybe take away an, object, an objection to implementing the advice and to really get them going and feel like, yes, I can do this. I, I want to do this. So that is really how each post works for me. Um, draw the reader in with the opening paragraph then share my tips in a concise way, and then inspire them to really follow up. I was just looking at your books again and thinking, um, how did you put those together? Are they an, are one or both of them an amalgam of uh, blog posts or ideas that you've had before, or did you sit down and just write them both from scratch, or what was your process there to create both of these? Yeah, so um, the the they're both based on blog posts, but they are completely rewritten. So it's not as if you're just reading a series of blog posts. So the reason why I work like this is that I really use my blog to get and guest posts to get feedback from people to make sure that what I'm writing about is the, is addressing the problems they are struggling with. And um, with a blog post, you often get some additional questions, so you know those are then useful to know either to write more blog posts or to include them in your in your book. And what I did for my first book, which is How to Write Seductive Web Copy, I decided to do a few uh, website reviews. Um, so I sent to the people on my email list that the first five to reply get a free review. This was in the early days when I wasn't very well known yet at all, so I didn't feel like I could sell it, but so I decided to do it for free just as market research. And when doing that, um, so I reviewed these people's websites and then had a Skype call to talk about it. And I noticed that people really 
struggled with the process and they didn't really know where to start with writing and then what the next step was and they just sort of did it in a very sort of yeah random way so that's how I learned that people would non-writers would really benefit from a very structured guide that told them exactly well this is where you start and this is how you how you can write copy a lot of copywriting guides share so much information and so many tips but still don't tell you really where to start and how make how to make sure you get the right information on your web pages so i I'll describe the process I follow myself for writing. So really starting with describing your ideal reader, who you're writing for, then thinking about the features and benefits you have to communicate. So you create a complete overview of what you're selling and what's in it for your customers. And you also create a list of objections. Why would people hesitate to buy from you? And then you start with creating your value proposition. In my book, I give a few examples of how to do that, which sort of summarizes um, how your customer really benefits from your service in just a couple of lines. Um, Then you write the rest of your copy. Then you edit it. And I give a lot of editing tips. And only lastly, you optimize it for Google. So the book is really for non-writers because those are the people that read my blog and they really make it easy to go through this process. While using the book, they have worksheets they can fill in and while reading it, they can plan, write, and edit their own copy. So it's really pared down to the minimum people need to know to write good copy. Yeah. So yeah, I sorry, I'm it. maybe <laughs> going a little bit off a tangent, but yes, it was really based on um, getting feedback from readers. What did they? What do they need? What are they struggling with? And then thinking about how I could then deliver that in their book. And and part of it were tested through blog posts, and parts were uh, written from scratch. Um, but it's not like it's it's a collection of blog posts. It all makes sense in this uh-huh. long uh, process. Well, I love, uh, as you're talking, I'm just going through and looking at the copy for the books. Um, each one has their own sales page, but it's so simple. It's just, it's hard to put your finger on it because sometimes I think I've tried to do this with websites before. I've tried to um, knock everything else down, all of that over-design and over-developed feeling and over, just over. And it's it's actually harder, I think, to have this delivery, the copy, the words themselves and how you do that. That's all one thing. And the other thing is just the presentation, the overall. And I think it's harder to design simply like this than it is to design um, complicated. Design yourself kind of into a corner where once you're done, you're like, ah, this is just one of those, you know, it, it's the difference between a Christmas tree with a, a billion ornaments on it and one with just the right ornaments on it. And you got it. You nailed it. In my opinion, you nailed it with just the right ornaments on your tree, giving that Christmas Yeah, that and, it's, and it's usually <laughs> a matter of chopping away all the distractions because when you are decorating your Christmas tree, everybody has some extra ornaments that they would like in there, and some are yellow and some are red and some are green and some are silver, and before you know, you have a Christmas tree that, I don't know, (laughs) looks very colorful but not very sophisticated. So it's really a matter of deciding, okay, let's keep it simple and let's go for the silver. It's like with my color scheme, you just find two colors. That's it, full stop. Right. Um, and grays, of course, but it's just purple and orange. Um, and the same is when you write a landing page, you think like, oh, I need more testimonials, I need social sharing buttons, I need this, I need that. But no, just 
think about your reader, what do they really need to press that button to go and buy the book? Right. Well, and if there's nothing to hide, then there's no reason to create a sense that there is something to hide. When you overcomplicate things, uh, some people, you know, you might have nothing to hide, but you're, you look as if you do. And I don't know if people really get that or not, but, I'll, you know, you really have a mission. You really have something to say. Your books really say something, and you really have a message to get across to people. Therefore, keeping everything clean, simple, straightforward, it, you, since there's nothing to hide, and you're not trying to really trick people into grabbing your books, you know, to, you really want to help people, and you know that the books will do that, then um, I think there's some kind of a lesson to be learned there, maybe six or seven lessons to be learned there for everybody who's really, really working too hard on or thinking too much about the design and delivery of what they do in in the wrong way. It's not to say that you didn't work really hard at the design and delivery of what you're doing here, but the hard work was really in keeping the complication out of it. And, you know, I can see an awful lot of uh, uh, care here in, in that regard. Gina had a question. Uh, Gina, did you want to ask that question about um, the guest blogging? Can Can I say one more thing about that that thing, Jack? Absolutely. Because yeah. it's often a matter of starting at the end. Um, it's very easy. Whatever you're writing, with a blog post or a book, um, to get into the habit of just sharing whatever you know. Um, but the trick is not to do that and to think about your reader and what you want them to do at the end of your blog post or your sales page, really what you want them to feel. So before I started writing my book, I wrote the sales page. Not the whole sales page, but I had my bullet points and I knew exactly what I wanted my reader to learn from my book. And that helped me to write the book because the book stayed focused. It also helped me to write the sales page because the sales page stayed focused. And that's really about starting at the end and starting always thinking about your reader and why your reader would read what you're writing and what you want them to do. Awesome. Starting with the end in mind. It's really good that you took a minute to outline that for the listeners. Jack and I teach a model that we call plan it, sell it, co-create it. So if you're creating a course, instead of just going out in a vacuum and creating that course and then writing the copy and then trying to sell it, plan it, put together the sales page, sell it, then get people into a live session to co-create it with you. When you're writing a book, plan it. Write the sales page as if it were being sold first. Then go write it. Same sort of concept. It really changes yeah. the material drastically in the process, doesn't it? Yes, that, that's right. Absolutely. So the question I had for you is most of our listeners are just getting started with content marketing. One of the things I see them get stuck on is figuring out how to go out and do guest blogging. Where do they go to do guest blogging? How did you find the places <clears throat> that got you started with guest blogging? So it's really thinking about your reader and who your audience is and thinking about the blogs they they are reading. Um because what I see fellow copywriters, for instance, sometimes do, they start to write for copywriting blogs that are read by other copywriters. Well, you're not going to get any business that way because you're just writing for your colleagues. So think about who who should be your clients. If you want to write for startups, then think about maybe a blog like Unbound or Kismetrix or Crazy Hack, which are read by a lot of startup companies, and start with reading a lot of blog posts. Read all the most most blogs have like a list of popular posts. Make sure you read all of those. See what kind of comments people have. See what posts are popular and why. Try and understand really 
more about the audience and try to find a way to connect with uh, an editor as well so that by the time you send a pitch email, the editor already knows your name. So you can try to interact on social media or in the comment section. Um, and I think that's really important to do before you try and get a post on the blog. Because everybody's trying to get guest posts published these days. And once you've done that, you just reach out to the editors or creators of that blog? Yeah. Um, and yes, then you reach out and uh, you say, uh, you, you, uh, you pitch a specific topic and you have to make sure you already have a really, really good headline because the headline will make the editor curious as well and also give an indication of that you're a good writer and that you will write something that will be interesting. And then you try to um, give a reason why you think their audience will like it. So, um, for instance, you might refer to an other post on a similar topic that got a lot of social media shares or a post that got a lot of comments or a post that um, uh, you can uh, point out questions that were asked in the comment section and say, look, this post was really great, but it didn't answer this question yet, which several people asked about in the comment section. So you really have to show that you've done your homework and that what you will write will be really valuable for the audience, because that's what the editors care about, that you write something that's useful and helpful for their readers. Great advice. So again, you can find Henneke at EnchantingMarketing.com. And in the show notes, we've got a link where you can go and get her free uh, download called Snackable Writing Course for Busy People. I just opted in for that myself, Henneke. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun uh, course with uh, ultra-short email uh, uh, tips by email to improve your writing. Just one more example of what it really means to know your avatar, isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hanukkah, for joining us today. We've got a short 10-minute segment that we do at the end of the show every week. Jack, any final wrap-ups for Hanukkah? Uh, just thank you for being on and... Um I, I'm just so happy you were here to give our listeners and kind of me a boost too. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do a little blogging. So thank you for that. The inspiration has been immense. Thank you so much. Right. Well thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So our short segment with Jan Riley, founder of You Create You today, is with Someone very special at Directions University, our officially Dean's Assistant, Shelby Carr. So here we go with Jen and Shelby. Hi, I'm Jan Riley, and today I'm here with Shelby Carr. Shelby is an integral part of DU because she's behind the scenes making everything work. And one of the things that uh, we have talked about is how important it is running your own business online to know what needs to be done and to make sure that you can make good decisions, even do the work yourself or outsourcing. And uh, Shelby has some really unique and great solutions for this dilemma that really every website owner has. So, Shelby, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I am actually a Dean's Assistant to Directions University, and I'm also founder of uh, TechShack.com. What I do, teach people how to um, do the technology, technology that they need for their online business, 
at least for me, I have found one of the biggest, quickest stops for people is the tech stuff. And it can be a simple problem, but it can stop me dead in my tracks for weeks if I can't figure out how to fix it or, or get through it. Or even to know how important it is, which is the other thing. Uh, yeah, that that is that is true. Um, uh, as I had mentioned, you know, to you before, uh, you can hire people to do this stuff for you, but you could end up paying thousands of dollars for somebody to do things, and, and you don't know what they're doing or you don't know how, and then they're not doing what you paid them for, and you know, you can go in there and it'd just be a total mess and you don't know what's going on. So you, you really need to know the actual technical side of it. Um, you don't have to learn it. You don't have to do it yourself, but you need to be able to understand it. So not only can you tell them what you need done, but you can make sure that the process is being done. I've noticed that one of the things that is so critical about understanding the technology is to do it in a way that actually helps grow your business because there's a lot of things that you can spend time on with your your business itself there's just so many aspects that you need to integrate with it and to get it to run smoothly to, to be able and, and, and you don't need to concentrate so much on that the problems on that you you need to be able to to make, just make sure that it's there and it's running smoothly so that that you can concentrate more on the marketing aspect and getting money coming in yeah right exactly and you know things like autoresponders and uh getting all all of your downloads so that when someone goes through your funnel so all of that works is generally really, really critical. However, I've noticed that uh, for a lot of people, that's one of the last things that gets done. That's true. That and it's is true. Almost always um, either fear of technical stuff or tech technical thing. Well, most of the time it is the fear of the te uh, technical issues out of it. It, it overwhelms them. Yeah. That that's just one of the things it, that it does. It just overwhelms them. And when you're in when you're in the mode of overwhelm, you can't think, you can't focus. You just forget it and just shove it all away. And I'll deal with it later. But you really can't deal with it later because if you want to make money in your business, you you, you have to do it. Technology has incredible ability to help people connect online. And oh, yet, yeah. And yet, when we get when we get trapped, not knowing what the technology can do for us, it has the exact opposite effect. That we have websites that don't connect well with people because the various elements aren't there. We don't tend to like videos that work or uh, autoresponders that uh, connect with people and then actually really. Uh, interact with people, you know, that and that to me is the real shame of the whole thing. It's, uh, you know, I believe technology has a real power to help you facilitate better communication. Absolutely. It most certainly does. does. And, and, and especially in, in your business, you should really set it up to where it's, it's automated. It takes time to set it up. That's true. But once it's set up and it's automated, it, it will run really slow. Uh, not slow, but, you know, it, it will run smoothly. And, you know, even at that time you say, oh, I, you know, I have to stay here all the time to be able to do that. No, once it's running smoothly enough, you could take a vacation and it's still going. It's still making money for you. It, it, it's still doing the things that you need it done without you sitting and and being at your computer at all times but once it's set up uh correctly uh as i said you know and it's running smoothly then you don't need to to monitor it constantly right so what do you think is uh one of the first and most important things people can do when they're you know looking to work on their website 
Well, one of the things that they really need to do um, is to know the back office part of, of their website and how that is connected. Um, I mainly work on WordPress sites. Um, I, I have worked on regular websites, but uh, WordPress, I, I would say, I would say probably, you know, 60 to 80 percent of the sites out there now are WordPress. And WordPress is, once you understand it, it's a really easy to, to, uh, to work in and, and to get what you need out to, uh, to your customers and clients and, and your, your audience. Um, you really need to understand the dashboard. You, you need to know how the plugins, have the plugins necessary to do what you need your site to do and to understand how they work and how they interconnect. And then, you know, especially if, if it's, it's a money-making site and you're selling products or you have a product to sell, you need to make sure that, that you have your, your payment button connected to your shopping cart correctly and it's set up. Um, and then, uh, even if you, you have that and you're just, you know, building your list, you need to know how your autoresponders are set up, which autoresponder you're using, how it's set up, and you need to be able to set up a series of, of, uh, follow-up messages that would go out automatically where you wouldn't have to be sitting out in, in your computer and sending out a message every day or once a week or, or whatever. But, you know, everything is integrated together. But once you have it integrated and it's all set up, then it's, it's, it's really an accomplishment for you uh, to, uh, to know that it's there and that you don't have to go in and do this right. stuff. All manually. the time, do everything. I mean, manually. it would take, manually, it would take hours and, mm -hmm. and days. To, to to do all the steps necessary, but uh, so that's why we, we like to automate everything. So how can people find out more about you and the Tech Shack? Okay, uh, well, um, they can go to um, techshack.com forward slash charter. Um, that that gives you uh, all the information and everything that you need for it. It's uh, for the membership site. Okay. And uh, <laughs> go ahead. Um, and would you spell that out loud because people will be listening? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, tech check spelled a little different, so it's um, T E C K. It's it's spelled with a K, not an H. So it's T E C K, S H A C K, forward uh, dot com, forward slash charter. C H A R T E R. Excellent. Thanks so much, Shelby. Um, I'm sure Thank a lot of people are going to want to find out more about that. Again, this is Jan Riley, and thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned because we've got Gina Gaudio Graves and Jack Humphrey. They're getting ready to continue with our special featured guest. And I want to invite you now to visit me on my website and at youcreateyou.com so that you can learn how to make Well, Jack, what a great show we had today. It was awesome. I'm inspired. I'm I'm remembering what it was like to be more of a full time blogger and it's it was it was really cool and I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna get into it again. It's nice to spend that kind of time on your craft. You know, and a lot of times we get really super busy and um everything starts to suffer and the level of detail that Henneke was is doing there and bloggers like her do on their stuff, man, it, it's inspiring. It's really cool. And you can see that it gets great results. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, it really is. The results really do speak for themselves. You know, things are changing so fast here at Directions University. The coming months, you guys are going to hear a lot of new announcements, including a new focus on content marketing, 
We just brought on John Aberly, who we lovingly like to call Scriberly, as a teacher's assistant or TA at BU. And John is going to be really doing a lot more with content marketing. We just brought on David Bullock as the dean of the DU School of Business and Marketing. He and Antonio Thornton, the associate dean of that school, are really going to be working together as a team to grow that segment of DU, and both of them will be doing more with content marketing. So listen to Penica's advice, apply it in your own business, and watch how we apply it at DU. I think you'll learn a lot in the process. Thanks so much, Jack. Thank you. And it's directionsuniversity.com, by the way. That it is. We'll see you guys all same time, same place next week for another episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.